Hello, and welcome to Friday Night Rewrites. I'm Hannah. I'm Andrew. And these are the stories we love to tell. So it is technically Christmas season now. It is officially December 1st, and we are pressing on with our obsessive watching of truly terrible Christmas movies. Now, to be fair, throughout this series, we're going to refer to them as Hallmark movies. None of these are Hallmark movies. (laughs) These are all on Netflix because we're cheap and we don't have cable. Hashtag millennials. Yeah. (laughs) Thanks, babe. (laughs) These are all terrible, though. So we're going to continue to refer to them as Hallmark movies because, let's be honest, they invented the genre. When we say terrible, we don't mean that we don't like them. Oh, we absolutely adore every minute of this. We wouldn't keep watching them if we didn't like them, at least a little bit. I have a queue of, I think, another eight for us to get through, so get excited. Yeah, so I don't know if we're going to get through all eight. We probably won't record episodes on all eight, but um, we're going to do as many as we can until Christmas, maybe a little after. Who knows? There's always a good New Year's Eve twist. Yeah. Um, New Year's Eve movies. I think the only one I've ever seen is maybe when Harry met Sally. Isn't um, isn't Sleepless in Seattle supposed to happen on New Year's Eve? Or is that Christmas Eve? God, Sleepless in Seattle and When Harry Met Sally and You've Got Mail, which are all great, all blurred together in my mind. I can't remember... Also, the one while you were sleeping, technically a Christmas movie. While you were sleeping, what's that? That's the one where um, the girl goes into a coma, and this guy has this really creepy long-term crush on her and pretends to be her fiance. He rescues her. She gets hit by a train, some kind of thing like that. So he rescues her and wants to find out what happens to her. So he tells the hospital that he's her fiance. And then the hospital tells her family that he's her fiance. And they're like, who are you? And he's like, oh, we kept our relationship a secret. So they like take him in and they're like, yeah, absolutely. And they're like, wow, you must be so concerned. And then he ends up falling. No, here's the thing. She's Spoilers, in a- spoiler alert for Sleepless. Wait, is- she's in a, she's in she's, a coma, she's in this, coma whole this whole time? Is um, this Matt spo- Ryan also? Uh, I can't remember. Look it up for me. Um, so she's in a coma this whole time, and he ends up actually falling for her sister, who, of course, is horrified that she keeps flirting with and having feelings for the person that she thinks is her sister's fiance. I have to say, this movie sounds great. It's Sandra Bullock. Oh, there we go. So we'll maybe we'll put that on our list, even That's though. Also, it reminds me of the movie uh, Return to Me with David Duchovny. The, the heart transplant? Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, that was weird. Yeah. I mean, it was a good movie, but it was a bit strange. I think Anyways, I watched it. I was too young. Um, so what we're actually talking about today is none of those movies. None of those movies at all. We're talking about a Netflix sure-to-be classic. I mean, we've been thinking about it nonstop for two weeks. The Princess Switch. Yeah, the Princess Switch was the Nedja Hud- <laughs> Vanessa Hudgens. Of High School Musical fame, obviously. Yes, um, and Spring Breakers. Oh, let's <laughs> pretend that wasn't a thing. <laughs> so, Why y'all getting suspicious? <laughs> so, anyways, she is 
Let me give you the Wikipedia rundown, babe, and then I'll give you one minute to give me your version of a summary. Okay. All right. So Wikipedia rundown is very brief. One week before Christmas, a duchess switches places with an ordinary woman from Chicago who looks exactly like her. They are both played by Vanessa Hudgens, which is amazing. And they each fall in love with each other's bows. That's it. That's that's the whole summary from Wikipedia. Yeah, I mean that's that's pretty much it. Uh, I think a key point is that one of the bows is a, um, a literal prince um, of a country, a fake country, um, Belgravia. I will I will refer to it as Genovia this entire podcast. <laughs> I just need you guys to be okay with yeah, that. Yeah, I mean they're all just. I mean, I guess these are supposed to be, like, former colonies um, of... No, they're definitely, like, Eastern European countries that broke free after Russia, like... No, no, but they all have English accents. There's no way that... Well, they were all highly educated. We had... I mean, there's a lot of, like, real-world data on this point. Like, Eastern European countries after the fall of the Soviet Union didn't start speaking the Queen's English. But where are you having a colony of England in Europe that also has castles and like classic European architecture. Well, I mean, I'm trying to figure out the geography. I'm as confused as the next person, but (laughs) (laughs) we're just saying Jeopardy's not going to be putting Belgravia on a map anytime soon. I mean, this would be great if it was like a former, (laughs) a former, uh, actually set in this tiny little conclave in Nepal. It's a satellite state of (laughs) Soviet Union. Oh my goodness. Anyway, so we have the prince. Hold on real quick. I'm imagining Vanessa Hudgens having to talk in like a really uh, thick uh, Eastern European accent. I mean, it can't be any worse. You a baker? (laughs) What? All right, so finish up our summary. Um, did you like my... Yeah, it was terrible. It was so terrible. They're, they're hog people. What? I'm sorry. I love Eastern Europe. What is wrong with you? <laughs> Anyways, uh, Eastern Europe, by the way, has lots of different countries and lots of different people there, <laughs> It's not like one big country. That doesn't get you out of the hole. <laughs> Come at me, Eastern Europe. Anyways, uh, <laughs> we, uh, so, yeah. She's a baker. She's a baker. From? Um, from Chicago. Uh, she's uh, other her, so the other Vanessa Hudgens is a, a duchess, correct, from... Um, an unnamed place. No, it's Montanaro. Oh, that's right. She's the Duchess of Montanaro, yeah, which, which I thought, again, and I will refer to as Montenegro the entire time. Yeah. So It's another Anglophone colony, I guess. Um, anyways, uh, Baker Vanessa Hudgens is... Um, you got her, some names for me, babe? Her name's Stacy. Uh, Stacy DeNovo. Um she gets entered into this baking contest in uh, Belgravia. It's apparently a very famous one. It's like the Great British Bake Off, but cute. Yeah, I mean, it's 
the setup looked more like Iron Chef. Um, we watch a lot of cooking shows. We have feelings. Yeah, it was a little more flashy, maybe in between the two, I guess. Um, but uh, she doesn't want to go because she doesn't like uh, she doesn't like changes to her routine. She's very focused. Um, but then she runs into her ex-boyfriend who introduces her promptly to his new fiancé. New fiancé. And that gets... She fumbles into a social lie and says, oh, yes, I also have big plans this holiday. I'm going to a Belgravia's baking show, and you can see me on TV. So it's verifiable, and now I have to do it. Yeah. I'm not going to recount the rest of the plot. Can That's... I try and do it in plot points? Because you're you're doing like a blow by blow of every scene. I mean, it's all really important. It's hard to figure out what to leave out. There's it's so vital. Let me just give you the the Spark Notes version. All right, if you're a fan, they go. Kevin and Stacy are best friends who are not romantically attracted, even though Kevin's younger daughter de- definitely wants them to get together. They go to Belgravia slash Genovia slash Random Country in order to compete in this baking competition and put their bakery on the map. While there, they mysteriously discover that somehow Stacy is a complete dead ringer for the Duchess of Montenegro. And so because they are identical for reasons that are never addressed. Oh, sorry. They do make a reference eventually to There's a cousin a- <laughs> that like immigrated to America. So probably had exact same genetic components. There's it's- a very perfunctory attempt to explain this miraculous resemblance. Tenuous is the best possible word we could come up with. So <clears throat> the Duchess insists that she just wants to be a normal person just for a couple of days. And for some reason, American Vanessa Hudgens, Stacy agrees, yes, this is a completely reasonable request. She's promised that the prince is going on a trip, so she's not going to have to fake out her fiancé, and they're going to swap back before the next round of the baking competition, because that is the most important part of this movie. Okay, so I have a question, Hannah. Can I finish the plot summary first? It's about the plot. Okay, go for it. Um, so, the baker, Stacy, she's going to switch to become the future princess, correct? The duchess, yeah. Which makes her betrothed to the prince. Yes. Do Stacy and the prince actually fall in love with each other? Oh my gosh, did we even give our spoiler warning? Hey, listeners out there, we're going to give spoiler warnings for Princess Switch. So if you haven't seen it, uh, stop now, because Andrew just blew this plot wide open. I have another question. Yes. So Margaret, the Duchess, her name's Margaret. Um, what does she do during her two days? Who does she hang out with? See, weirdly enough, the only four characters in this whole movie. Is, is are, it a man? <laughs> it is. It's two attractive men, Vanessa Hudgens, and then a little girl who's intent on getting everyone married. It's great. Very fleshed out storyline. Yeah. Um, so they go on, they swap places. Uh, the prince stays behind to get to know his fiance better. There's some cute scenes where they go visit an orphanage, where there's a snowball fight. And quicker than you can say Hallmark, they're all in love with each other. <gasps> the horror. 
There's also this weird side villain who kind of shows up for 30 seconds at a time and tries to sabotage the baking experiment, but it's a literal non-starter. So I'll address that in my rewrite. Yeah, there are two villains in this movie that don't really <laughs> kind of just are left floundering. I think that one of the villains doesn't even turn out to be a villain. He maybe even marries one of the good people. It's... I have to say, when Scooby-Doo has better villains than you, like, you got to pick your game up. Well, I mean, this isn't like a a harrowing moral tale. It's a, there shouldn't be a whole lot of darkness, right? I mean, true love overcomes all should maybe try and overcome more than a woman snipping the electric cord to your mixer. I'm just saying it's not like a great trial yeah we'll, we'll talk more about that uh before we start talking about what we would like to fix let's do quick note they swap places they stay swapped there's a big reveal everyone proposes it's weird and awkward and then they get married so uh, happily ever after yeah i feel like we just covered the whole plot that's yeah. how plot summaries go yeah we did it all right um Hallmark being no is a game that's out right now. Um, Shout out to Molly for tipping us out off to this. Yeah, um, we did Hallmark bingo. I don't know if we made an actual bingo at any point. We're going to be scoring um, each of our videos from here on out on a score out of 25, representing how many marks this movie scores on Hallmark Bingo. If we actually do get a direct bingo, this one gets an extra star. Yeah, but we'll, we'll report it if it does. We got 17. Out of 25. Out of 25. 18, including free space. She should always do. So give us a quick rundown of the tropes that show up. Basic bingo strategy. Um, there is mistletoe. There is a city scene during the open uh, credits. Um, there's a nosy best friend. There is a daughter who wants their single dad to get married. Um, there's a not so unexpected twist. It's, <gasps> it's, it's literally the title. It's in the title. Um, uh, there is purchasing of gifts. There is sipping hot chocolates. Um, there is um, holiday baking. It is, in fact, a baking competition, so yeah. that makes sense. Checks there out. There is a scene of decorating for Christmas. There is a handwritten letter. There's a wedding dress. At the very end. Um, there's not really pretend to be my... Well, no, there is a pretend to be my fiancé. Uh, we were going to count it on a tech, on kind of like a wide definition, but I guess that she does pretend to be a fiancé. So. Well, she doesn't pretend to be her fiancé. She pretends to be the fiancé of someone else. But I think it does count. It's still a technicality. Oh, yeah, she's not... Okay. I got it. She's not doing a fake relationship. She's just faking that like she's the person the who's – Which, guys, which owns the best. We can't even rewrite it. We love it so much. Um, there's a story from childhood. Um, there's not a widower, but um, – We debated on this one. We do find out that Kevin's wife mysteriously left him and their daughter, which is convenient because he ends up falling in love with the Duchess. Yeah. Uh, I think maybe he killed her, so maybe he is a widower. All right. She just disappeared. Convenient. There's a flirtatious snowball fight. There's an airplane. Um, There is an accidental fall. In Uh, connection with the snowball fight, of course. In connection with the snowballs. 
Um, there's a Christmas party, and there are many Christmas songs as background music. So it did pretty well on the Hallmark Bingo score. Now, Hannah, what are some things we liked about this movie? Um, we had a kind of a cute title for this segment. Um, it's the Eight Maids of Milking. We wanted to milk all the positive stuff that we could out of each of these Hallmark movies. Yeah. We, so uh, I really enjoyed the ridiculousness of the plot. Um, I really enjoyed absurd conceits. If I know that's what I'm in for, I'm, I tend to enjoy it, especially if they commit to it. Um, it's nice to see Vanessa Hudgens. Yeah. Uh, I really enjoyed High School Musical. Hannah, did you watch High School Musical when it came out? Oh, yes. I actually took all of my cousins to go see High School Musical 3 in the theaters. High School Musical 1, when did that come out? Were you in the States? Um, I'm not sure, actually, where I was for what, High School Musical. I think I would have been... No, I would have been in Thailand. Yeah. yeah. Would you have been able to watch it there? Oh, yes. We got we had some friends who had Disney Channel. Oh, they okay. were very lucky. Oh, and we, we recorded. Good. Well, it's nice to see her again. <clears throat> the familiar face, nostalgic face. Um, there is a magical old man um, in the Wikipedia article. He's referred to as, quote, the kindly man with kindly and man both capitalized. So I think that's his name. Um, Hello, I'm Mr. Man. <laughs> um, kindly man. Um, he shows up in all a bunch of different settings and always has like a wise word. He's always like, you know, sometimes what we wish for is... Just around the corner. Just around the corner. Yeah. He like tells her to make a Christmas wish. He, yeah, he's he just constantly nudging everyone in the right direction, with literal zero explanation throughout the entire plot. Yeah, it's never explains why he's there. So I think he's magic. Um, but Must he, be Santa. <laughs> he's Santa. Yeah. Oh, that that's good. Yeah. Yeah. So he, Santa's in this movie too, um, but he made me laugh every time. Um, All right, so I have I have a couple things to shout out about this movie. Um, first of all, the Vanessa Hudgens who gets the prince is not the bubbly, free spirited one. I'm really getting a little bit tired of like the the manic pixie dream girl being the one that transforms the serious guy. She shows up with an itemized list. She's got a schedule down to every 10 minutes. She's got, she alphabetizes all of her kitchen utensils. And that's actually what makes her an interesting co companion to the prince is that she's going to take the whole act of royalty seriously. It's not a dress up game to her. I love that. And I love that they really emphasize that that's something he found attractive about her. Vanessa Hudgens, of course, adorable. Le I mean, yeah. we're going to give her a pass on the accents because they're terrible. But well, accent. She did a fine American accent. On account of being American. Yes. So she didn't do a Chicagoan accent, though. Well, most people from Chicago don't speak with a Chicago accent. It's fine. Um, she's really cute, and she looks like she was having a lot of fun in this movie, which I always enjoy. 
Can we just talk about Kevin and his daughter? What is his daughter's name? The little girl is so cute. They really demonstrate this very like fun father-daughter relationship. And the dad seems not at all resentful of the idea of like raising his daughter by himself. And he seems very confident. Like, I got this. Her name's Olivia. She's plucky. She reminds me a lot of um, the girl from Remember the Titans. Mm. Um, She's very sassy. You see a lot of these kids in movies, but. She's very confident in the adult space, but she's also very cutesy. She's the one who figures out the switch. Yeah, she's bright. I also, there's a scene in which Vanessa Hudgens, who is supposedly an expert horsewoman, vaults over a horse and just like completely eats it in the sawdust. Like she can't get up into the saddle. She just like flips right over the back and she proceeds to promptly blame her riding pants like oh no like dry cleaning must have shrunk them and then in front of the prince and the attendants does lunges across the stable space to quote loosen them up so that she could ride again it's one of the most ridiculous moments that i could imagine and yet she just looks so earnest about it the other thing i love about this is she's wearing bright white riding pants tumbles clearly obviously into the sawdust and gets up and there's not a single mark on any of the pants magic it's also possible she just didn't do the stunt work herself (gasps) never now i think uh i've had some embarrassing moments in my life and uh, my response to them is to uh, either freeze or run away so i think i would (laughs) sprint it out of the place so it was admirable she committed to it so those are the bright spots so actually that wasn't our eight maids of milking the eight maids of milking are next it's the these are uh things that we wanted to comment on we don't have a, a lot more to say about them other than like what on earth was going on um but it has they have to be mentioned um my number one thing, and this I've mentioned before on the podcast, but it drives me crazy. Um, at one point, Kevin, uh, while he's with uh, fake Stacy, uh, comes to her room to ask for a toothbrush, and he's completely shirtless. <gasps> which, you know, is fine. Um, but he's also, he's cut like Adonis. Like, there are a lot of muscles. Yeah, he's he looks CGI, and <laughs> I have like maybe, maybe, but he is a baker. He works in a bakery every day. He's probably eating lots of cookies. Taste testing is important. But I mean, Stacy is a world class baker. Why wouldn't you be tasting all of her things? Um, you have to taste the batter. It's important to taste batter and dough raw. Is it? Is it though? <laughs> it's very. It's an integral part of the baking process. These are um, why all the bowls of my baking get licked. Yuck. Lick the bowl. Your finger goes in, then you lick your finger, then you stick your finger back in the bowl. Well, this Only after I've already poured it out. Don't worry. If you've eaten my baked goods, they're not contaminated yeah. normally. Come on. <clears throat> Anyways, he's up at dawn every day making all this bread. He's a single dad. 
Like we are parents who are happily co-parenting. And I'll tell you, finding time to go to the gym is like number 27 on my priorities. But also like, okay, so he's naturally low body fat. We get it. That's fine. But he's also, he's got just like amazing pecs. Um, I'm just, I'm frankly just really tired of every man in every movie being just ripped. It's, Did the unrealistic body expectations, babe, are they getting to you? No, it's not the unrealistic body. Do you, do you feel body. maybe as if the objectification of the human form is something that's negatively impacting your self-esteem? I'm offended as a viewer because um, it's unrealistic. Oh, it's the realism that's getting to you. Yeah. Not the fact that in a woman, a film designed for women to watch that there is one character who provides actual eye candy. Look, I watched Zodiac the other day and the details in that movie really, really add a lot to the plot, which is really boring. It's a long movie that doesn't have a lot going on, but it forces you to be like that watch is pretty cool. Looks period. (laughs) Um, So I, I care about I care about realism. I care about attention to detail. And You're watching the wrong movies, then. Whatever. It's a it's a point of taste. But he's a baker, single dad. He doesn't need to be yoked. He doesn't need to be. Um. He doesn't need to be a Greek statue. It's. He he could just be a regular guy. You just you just feeling sad about the dad bod. He has like an eight pack. <laughs> Anyways, all right, so that's a pretty good like uh what is happening moment. Um for me, one of definitely one of my moments is the nosy servant man goes in to try and reveal that something's going on with Stacy. And for some reason the queen then sends him off to deal with a plugged toilet. Like, <laughs> there's this implication that there are only three servants in the entire palace and that this footman to the prince who acts as kind of this, like, secretary is also <laughs> the person in charge of janitorial staff. See, so, so I think the implication there was that they do have other servants, but she wanted so badly to get rid of him and also wanted to put him in his place that she forced him to go do something that wasn't really his job. It was definitely a punitive action, but personally, if I had a staff that I was responsible for, the idea of assigning them toilet duty is maybe not the first thing that would have jumped to mind. Like, hey, you, go unclog that stinky toilet. Mm, Nah. Yeah. Um... There is also an embedded advertisement for the Netflix film uh, Christmas Prince or A Christmas Prince. I like how you said embedded as if it's like semi-hidden and just kind of casually there. It's like a full 15 seconds of screen time. Yeah, it's not subliminal. It's it's right out there where they just like, hmm, what should we do today? Open up the TV screen. Maybe we should watch this movie, The Christmas Prince. Do they actually say like, "Let's, let's turn on Netflix? They no, but they do literally say she's like, "Oh, this movie," and she he's like, "Yeah, it's your favorite," and she's like, "Oh, haha, of course I knew that." So I mean, there's last year. There's there's a lot. No, it came out earlier this year. Um, Oh, it came out just this year. Yeah, it came out in like November. 
It was like a preliminary. It's her favorite movie. That they want other people to think, oh, if it's Vanessa Hudgens, fake Vanessa Hudgens' favorite movie, maybe okay. it'll also be mine. I'll tell you, I put 10 minutes into it. I don't know if I can make it through the whole thing. We might need to try it, but we might need assistance. I don't know if I want to watch it after the just the hoots pop that advertisement. I mean, it takes the guts, you know? All right, what else you got? Um, why is there mistletoe in the orphanage? Yeah, it's a bit sketch. Like, I don't know if I want children doing that. That that was the other thing that really confused me. Like, if you have a royal orphanage, and then the orphanage lady was like, yeah, sometimes we get the children socks for Christmas. Um, You're telling me that no PR person ever has thought of the idea of let's do a photo shoot of the royals handing out piles of presents? Literally? Like, who is running this show? They need to be fired. So there's no uh, enterprising investigative journalists in Belgravia. Who are going to check this out. It's a really nice, it's decorated like an old white lady's house. Like it's gorgeous. But like where would the children live? Like all the furniture is like claw footed and with gold cloth on it. Like you can't, you can't play on it. But like when, when uh, Stacy and Prince Edward, step under the mistletoe they're like oh you have to kiss now what if two kids step under the mistletoe the kids seem really familiar with the rules too which makes me wonder like how frequently are people accidentally smooching under the mistletoe so take take the mistletoe out of out of your schools out of your orphanages yeah bring it down bring it down look guys this whole movie we'll be honest is full of moments that make Little to no sense. Oh, my biggest one. They go to a toy store to find toys for the orphanage. And in a public toy store full of tourists with cameras, full of local citizens, full of probably an investigative journalist, the Duchess of Montenegro, Monte, whatever. Montenaro. Whatever. And the Crown Prince of Genovia. <laughs> decide that what they really need to do absolutely essentially is play a game of twister she's wearing a dress too isn't she she's wearing a dress that is not princess length not at all definitely is at least three inches above the knee according to your um this standards that your society has set this is belgravia Look, I can guarantee you Princess Kate could not walk around in, in a skirt that short. Princess Kate is from England. This is Belgravia. That's crazy. What, what? All right. Anyway, completely scandalously, these two full-grown, non-drunk, they're completely sober. They just decide, let's play a game that involves us climbing all over each other in public in a children's toy store. There is literally, there's not a single child's game that is more sexually provocative than Twister. Come at me. Wait, uh, <laughs> what? I mean, I as an adult, I get that, but I played Twister as a child and it was never. These are two grown adults playing Twister. Right, they are grown adults. They should know better, but. No, I'm not children. saying it shouldn't be sold to children, but I'm saying children who are walking in to make their Christmas list should not see two adults playing Twister. No, they're going to be like, oh, those adults are playing that silly game that I like. 
Are they? I mean, nobody likes this. Are they? It's a dumb game. But, all right, my last point, uh, my last of the eight maids milking was, um, and this is kind of a key one, and might go into some of the things we want to fix, is why, so at the end, uh, they stay with, Stacy stays with Prince Edward, and Margaret stays with Kevin, um, and it is revealed in, on TV in front of a live studio audience that the switch has occurred. Why is the whole kingdom okay with it? That's How true. does the PR team handle the fallout? How do they adequately explain the resemblance to the nation? Um I mean, I feel like, too, just on a security level, this would be an absolute crisis. If I saw this, I'd be like, there is definitely cloning um, taking place, and the government is lying about it. They're telling us that they're I'd, not able to clone humans. You know, if can. I was an Eastern European country that was concerned, I definitely think that one of them is a Russian spy. I mean, it's the only reasonable explanation. She's like a sleeper agent who's been waiting to take the throne. All right. Um just a disclaimer, people, please don't come to us for um, for Eastern European politics or history. We know a lot of things. We clearly don't know a whole lot about uh, the former Soviet Union. Um, Look, they had names before the Soviet Union, I'm just saying. But, like, like Belgravia, they're in the tank for the royals. There's, like, there's no hint at all that they are... Uh, there's any sort of bitterness towards royals or anything. It's like not that even implied. It's a democratic plot. monarchy. It's yeah, like, it's, like it's full monarchy. Like they're walking around making trade deals. Yeah, and so, and I think this is another really key point. Is like, um, if so, Margaret is sent to marry Prince Edward, and it's presumably arranged and. I guess it's arranged for political reasons, but if it's arranged for political reasons, why is it okay to just break it off? Like, what's the fallout from that? I'd like to know that. Um, I mean, you can just imagine if Prince William met a clone of Kate Middleton. Kate Middleton is a bad example because she didn't have any political reason to get married. Right, but... William and Kate are engaged. Mm -hmm. The romance has swept the nation with, it's just, it's really gathered up the whole world in its bosom. Which it did. Yeah, it really did. A couple days before the wedding, before the royal wedding that is scheduled to be broadcast live on TV throughout the world. Like, you know that there have been caterers. Probably watched by like, at Flowers are ordered. The dress is yeah. made. This thing is going down. And Prince William and this new girl come out who looks like Kate Middleton, but she's not Kate Middleton. Announce, actually, we are going to get married. I. The internet would die. Like I, I mean, we would literally break the internet if we found a Kate Middleton clone and Prince William hooking up in the corner somewhere. Yeah, I mean, like, in this, in The Princess Switch, it's pretty chaste and stuff. Uh, and, but I would say that um, I know a little bit 
about English uh, newspapers and tabloids. We are more up on English history than we are on Eastern Europe. And they're not nice. They're a bit rough. Yeah, it so, gets salty. What? Why is this a concern? Anyways. Something to be addressed in both of our rewrites, I think. Yeah. Speaking right. of rewrites, what's your idea? How would you fix this plot in which, let's be honest, nothing happens and there are no problems? Okay. So, uh, first thing I would mm-hmm. do is I would just eliminate all the Chicago stuff. Just make uh, Stacy a citizen of whatever country this is, Montanaro. Um, make- it's definitely Genovia. Well, yeah, it looks like Genovia, but it's it's Montanaro. I just got got it in front of me. Montanaro is her city. No, it's Belgravia. Sorry. Yeah, <laughs> get your fictional countries right, babe. You thought it was from a different movie. Like it was in the right movie. Um, I would make baking more central to the movie. Uh, cooking shows are huge. People love them. Of course. Um, people really enjoy uh, seeing geniuses at work. Why not give this world-class baker some baking problems to solve. You could have the whole first scene being like, oh my God, we ran out of uh, sugar. Yeah. (laughs) She has to just rework the whole episode with baking powder and white vinegar. And she's like, I got this leavening agents. Boom. Yeah. She like, like I want a chopped style baking fiasco where she like opens up her refrigerator and discovers like, (gasps) I don't have any of the ingredients I need. What am I going to do? And she just like whips up this amazing fruit tart and everyone's like, this is so good. All right. So carry yeah, on. she's, I mean, like you got to see that stuff. I don't even really think we get to see many of her finished products. Like we don't, we don't see, we see someone buying cupcakes from her at the beginning and that's it. Oh, we see, we see a cake at the end Yeah. for like 30 seconds. Yeah. We're told that she's amazing, but we don't get to see a whole lot of that. I'd love to see it. Here's my big my big change though. Um, I would not make Vanessa Hudgens play two roles. Okay. I would change the nature of the switch. So in switch movies, you've got the parent trap style, which is what we got here. Right. Identical actresses play two identical characters. Right. Then you have Freaky Friday. Magic switches them, so they go into a different body. All right. Personality swap, not yeah. like, okay. So let's do that. Now, I bet you are wondering in the audience, and Hannah, I know that you are too. I'm consumed with curiosity. Who would I cast in this other role? Well, we need Vanessa Hudgens because she, obviously she is the star power. Yeah. So I think... Uh, Vanessa Hudgens, she can play Duchess Margaret. Okay. All right. But. Does that mean we have to keep her British accent? Because, like, y'all, it's real bad. Who cares what the accent is? It's a fake fake country. (laughs) That's fair. That's fair. (laughs) But. I would cast the only woman who could play this role to any satisfaction. As Stacey DeNovo, I would cast Rachel McAdams. Oh, my God. Rachel McAdams is born or was born to elevate mediocre scripts and make them magical. She's done it time and again. Um, I think that if called upon, she would serve. Anyways, so I would uh, 
making a magic switch. Maybe they run into each other in the bathroom and... Uh, it does make the kindly old man more powerful. He can be the one that... Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, the kindly man can just uh, can do it. Um, I don't know why why the switch would occur or what the kindly Christmas man is. Christmas witch. Wish. Okay, yeah, Christmas witch. That's good enough. Um, so, I would also accept some other actresses, but I think Rachel McAdams is really the logical choice. Um, I would also make the royals more interesting. Like, um, royalty, Hannah's going to disagree with me here, but like, royalty is really stupid. Um, monarchies are dumb. Ooh. But if they exist for anything at all, it's for being insane. Pomp and circumstance. It's for being insanely rich and getting to do extremely cool, rich stuff. So you um, add in maybe a younger sibling of Prince Edward, maybe like a brother. I'm kind of thinking of like a Weasley twin, somebody who's like mischievous, but also really good hearted and uh, clever. Adds the spice of life. Because let's be honest, the royals are really boring in this movie. They're incredibly boring. There's no drama. There's no pressure. There's not even like the, you need to come around under the weight of the crown kind of thing. They're just kind of there. And I don't really want a whole lot of like weight of the crown stuff. Because that kind of makes it more dramatic than it needs to be. But if you have a younger sibling who's like every day is going off and doing some insane, crazy uh, rich thing, um, you know, going skiing, and then the next day they're at the beach, and then they're uh, kite surfing and skydiving. And so, stuff like give the tabloids something to take pictures of. Yeah, and it's just reveling in the fact that they uh, were born uh, into royalty. Um, I think that would be really fun. You could also, it could also be a princess. Uh, I'm kind of thinking of like uh, Catherine, Catherine Hepburn. Uh, type, um, not like, not necessarily in terms of looks, but um, do you know her like air and like bringing back, bringing back baby? Oh, okay. She's like kind of very. She's like the original good-hearted ditz. Yes. Like, oh my gosh, that's wonderful! I love it. Let's do that. Um, kind of makes me think too of. Um, I wasn't really thinking ditzy. I was kind of. I was, like Ariana in The Prince and Me, where she's just like a very good-hearted kid who's like, I like her. I'm all in. All right, let's do this. And then just comes up with all these solutions. Yeah. Yeah, so just add, it would add in comic relief. It would make the royals more interesting. I think you could make Edward a lot more interesting by just making him kind of more of like a cad, but like a good-hearted cad, I guess. I kind of like the fact that you played him as a straight man. Like he, he throughout the whole movie, like demonstrated just like honor and integrity. And like, he messes up with a little bit of sexism, but then like apologizes it for it later. What was the sexist thing he did? They were on, they were on their horseback ride after she loosened up those pants. And he made a comment about, um, her not being interested in international economics. Yeah. He was like, you wouldn't be able to help me with trade. <laughs> She's like, why? Because I'm a woman? And he's like, yeah, no? Yes. I mean, yes, but I think I should say no. And she calls him out. It wasn't as impactful as I feel like it should have been. Could have had a little bit more oomph. Oh, my God. So I wish that when he went to apologize to her, he was like, I should never have suggested that, like, 
you wouldn't be able to help you with trade. So for the next few days, I'm going to teach you all about trade. No, not even teach you because he's like afraid to acknowledge that maybe she won't be exceptional. Just like starts quizzing her. She's like, what do you think about our tariff disparity when we're discussing joining the European Union? How can we balance out? Why do you think this country isn't in the EU? (laughs) (laughs) Because they're a monarchy. What do you think the EU is just going to be like? Yeah, sure, whatever. England's a monarchy. It's a constitutional monarchy, which is distinct. Oh, God. We've got got to get a map. (laughs) Um. Yeah. So. Well, right, so gonna, you add in the character. Yeah, I think making Edward a little lighter would be nice, but we can uh, agree to disagree on how light. Um, I don't really think the movie would need to be a whole lot lighter, longer to uh, incorporate all of these things. I think um, there's well, a lot of just dead weight in the movie half of the movie is seen transitions like it's amazing like they just zoom into an ornament and then they slowly zoom back out and it's a different tree and you're like oh we're on the other side of the story now yeah so and it happens every three minutes add in more baking add in more cool royal stuff i think you've got a better movie all right hannah um what would you do all right, so you definitely address some of the basic flaws of this movie. I agree with you. Completely scrap the Chicago aspect. I don't care that she's from Chicago. It adds nothing to the plot, and, I mean, basically, it's just a waste of time. Also makes it to where it's even weirder that they look like the same person. So I thought about this a lot because, one, I care deeply, and, two, Vanessa Hudgens deserved a better movie. Like, she just did. She was amazing. So here's what I want. Make her a local citizen. We know we have this royal wedding going up. And my idea is that the PR team has come up with this way to incorporate local citizens into the wedding. They're going to do a baking competition. And each level, the ultimate prize of this baking competition is making the royal wedding cake. So you have all these people competing around town, but it'll be like local supporting local entrepreneurship. It'll be on public television, basically just turning this kind of publicity fest into something that also highlights local businesses. We can even say that there's like similar competitions going for the florist or for the designers or things like that. And so there's this really big push to emphasize how important royalty is in this country. And to give a reason for her to be competing this. So she shows up to compete in the royal baking competition. She's going to try and win the the crown of making the wedding cake. All right. So one of the first competitions for like the showstopper. Hold on. Can I add in a quick detail? Yeah. So get this. Stacy is militantly anti-monarchy. And her plan is to win the competition. And then poison the royals. Okay, I like part A. <laughs> All right, we can go with her being like, we need to have like a constitutional democracy or whatever. But I um, think the poison plot might be a little dark. A little dark. Let's ease on back. Ease on back on the side night. I know you could slip it in the almonds, but mm, let's not. And like, I, okay, go ahead. Thank I'll, you. I'm going to expand on this later. Yeah, keep your conspiracy theories to your side of the rewrites. All right. So the first showstopper is going to be held at a fundraiser for the orphanage because I don't know if we fully covered this plot point. Um, 
in the original movie, they go to this fundraiser for an orphanage and Stacy asks all these pointed questions about how much of this money goes to the orphanage, what part of the orphanage does it support, how many children are there, and just kind of is very logistically minded about what is the ratio of benefit fundraiser to actual support to the kids. And all the royals are like, oh, I don't know, we just throw this party every year. Not a great look for them. But... Stacy then rallies the prince. They go visit the orphanage. They realize they don't have presents. They buy presents. They bake cookies. It's cute. All right. In my version, what I would do is that incorporating the orphanage benefit with this cooking show invites all the chefs to like dress up in their gorgeous stuff. And they have little tables set up with their delicious baked goods. Then people can buy tickets and they walk around. All of the tickets go to support the orphanage. And then they also get to put the orphanage name and donations on TV. So you're like tying the story together a little bit better. Oh my goodness. It's almost as like there's a plot line. Okay. It's almost like it's a corset. (laughs) I've got my first corset at RenFest this weekend and I'm so excited. I love it. I love it a lot. Also, super not comfortable. But anyways. After I said the word corset, I was like, I don't think that's how it's pronounced. And I started going through alternate pronunciations. So, <laughs> Anyways. Okay. So my idea is they're at the display. Her showstopper is amazing. And she is walking around all dressed up because obviously they're in the royal palace. And she gets mistaken for the princess and is given, gives an accidental interview. She thinks it's for the television show and with the baking thing. And the interviewer thinks that she's the princess. In the interview, they get into the like hot topic and they, the interviewer is kind of giving her some softball questions and she's coming out spicy on the orphanage. So she's like, you know, um, I love Genovia, but like when we take care of kids, we need to do more and we need to like look at the whole child. And she comes off kind of critical of cheerful but critical of the orphanage process interviewer is psyched they got like the end of the century they go out publish it and there's all this drama i'm gonna steal part of your idea the interviewer is like so uh what's the thing that you learned most about uh while being at this orphanage and she's like i learned that this is a freaking squatter's village for kids (laughs) get these kids some jobs. I got dishes that need washing. No. So, (laughs) okay. So I want to steal part of your idea. I definitely agree. The Royals are too boring. So I want a younger sibling who's running a gossip girl style Instagram account. Oh yes. Yeah. So throughout the movie, there are Instagram polls that are popping up where, um, they kind of like call out different people at, royal events like maybe like is this dress hot or not but they also so they they post a snippet of this interview you know because it's playing on tv and throughout the show there's like these different like um graphics that pop up and allow this mysterious royal whisperer like to interact with the public nobody knows who it is he is the resistance inside the palace. The palace, right? Hannah, have you ever seen Gossip Girl? I, I literally have never seen okay. Gossip Girl. Can I explain it in like five seconds? You literally have five seconds because we're already at an hour of this podcast. Oh, I mean, we're at fifty minutes. We're fine. So uh, the main character is a guy named Dan, 
his life is almost ruined multiple times by Gossip Girl. At the end of the show, you find out he is Gossip Girl. But if you look back through the show, instead of having all the, I can't believe I didn't know it, you have all these moments of like, how could he possibly have been Gossip Girl? <laughs> so there's a lot of holes. Well, there's a lot of times where he like ruins his like whole like month. And there are times where he reports on things that he wasn't present at, at like very quickly. There are times when Gossip Girl alerts come up while he's on screen without his phone. It's very weird. Okay. So there's a lot of drama apparently in the Gossip World fandom. Still still alive and kicking here in the year of our Lord 2019. 18. What year is it? I don't know. It's too long. It was a good season. So we've got this Gossip Girl style poster who's stirring up all this fur. The palace is in an uproar because of course the interview plays as future princess critiques royals everyone is scrambling the princess is like i didn't give this interview who is this person so she holds these um she realizes it has to be one of the bakers she holds these fake interviews to talk about the wedding where she's behind a curtain so that they don't see her they go through the whole process she figures out which one of them is obviously identical. Hi, we had a couple of technical snafus. Um, Hannah, would you like to get back to describing what was going on? All right, we're going to jump right in. The princess is scrambling because a doppelganger has given a shockingly spicy take on orphanages and how the royal family sucks at running them. So she interviews all the bakers to figure out who is this person. And when she meets the baker, everyone is shocked. Oh my gosh, we think exactly the same. So amazing. Right? No explanation. It's fine. Whatever. Right. Then they, princess does her plea. I just want to have a normal life. I want to see what it's like to live with real people. Um, there may or may not be some like in jokes about Ariel and like, I want to see where the people live, up where they walk on those, what do they call them? And the girl's like, streets with, with roads? Like, you've never been on a road before? She's like, no, we've always been on royal carpet. Something ridiculous, because it's Hallmark, baby. All right, so the baker is obviously confused, but decides, like, sure, that's fine, but I need to be back in time for the contest yeah yeah the competition like we're building we're building here people we got places to go because there is a plot involved all right so they swap the ring and like let's make it a big gaudy ring like it's it's serious like we can't do sapphire because that's too catherine uh like make like a ruby gold like gryffindor-esque ring okay so okay. it's got to be something that you can really visually see throughout the movie. So you can figure out which girl is It's which. not just some random diamond ring. No, no, no. It's got to be like insignia. Like, yeah. boom. Okay. All right. So they swap. Um, I don't really care what the princess does. It's fine. She goes, does touristy things. It's can she do a lot of like, um, you know, the Weasley dad stuff where she's just amazed <laughs> by like normal Wow, they have what is this paper for? Uh that's a that's a receipt. What, she likes, what do I do with it? I look what what whatever you want with it. It's so thin. <laughs> she spends all morning just like uh 
pushing up and down the lever of the toaster, sticking different things in it. So obviously Baker Boy is both confused and she sticks intrigued. her cell phone in the toaster. Okay, she's not stupid. She's no, she's uh, she's. There's no way that an intelligent ignorant. adult woman would stick her cell phone in a toaster. She's never seen a toaster before. She just, she understands mm. it. He okay, okay. Let's not go too far off the rails here. Like she, uh-huh. she's seen, but yeah, we could do things like where she doesn't know what to do with the receipt, and she um keeps expecting other people to pay things for her, or gets really excited to pay things, whatever. She's excited. They do tourist things. It's cute. Nobody really cares because that's not the part of the story that matters. Deal. Yeah. So um, she's traveling with Kevin and Olivia. Are you keeping them? Oh, yeah. I can't, I, I, they were like my favorite part of the original. Is he still cut? Super cut. Okay. <laughs> yeah. We're going to – we can throw in a line or two where he, he feels like that's why his wife let, left him. She was too addicted to CrossFit. No, he left him because he was getting a dad bod. And so now he like channels his sadness into like working out. That's like his alone time. I think it would be better if it was the opposite. But she's like, you're just too sexy. I can't handle it. I'm out. (laughs) Anyways, we can go into the sorted backstory at some other podcast. But they're cute. They fall in love. The princess is quirky and bubbly, and it's fine. Whatever. The really interesting part that we all care about, obviously, is the normal girl with the prince. Do you like my idea about the prince being, like, more of a rake? So I don't want him to be more of a rake. Okay. Um, because here's here's what I want. I want him to be like very intentional, very because that's another thing I really liked about the original is that the prince is just a good guy. Like he's not oh, yeah. sorted at all. And so <laughs> <laughs> what if he was like like a late Habsburg and like his nose was like on the on his cheek or something? Gross. Okay. <laughs> no, he's super cute and he's like very charming. What I want him to do is be just, like, very textbook romantic, where it almost feels as if it's a farce of all of the Holly Hallmark tropes. Oh, okay. So, he, like, he gets her flowers, and she's, like... Red roses. Only red roses. Yes. He gets her, like, plans of dinner, of two of them. Okay, and she is, like, you don't even know me. Like, you don't even know the real princess, let alone... The fake princess. <laughs> right. And so it's clear that this is just like at some point, you know how in it's Harry like you read a book. Well, yeah. You know, in Harry Potter, there's that scene where Ron gets the like 13 fail safe ways to win your witch kind of book. And it like talks through like, <laughs> give a compliment. Um, who, who did he try to win with that? Oh, uh, you know, what are you talking about? Are you kidding me right now? No, there were other people. Like, no, it was early. all Hermione. He makes a joke about, yeah, if I'd had this book earlier, I could have broken up with Lavender yeah, and no, gotten no. together with Hermione. What I mean is that he, so he had other girlfriends, though. No, he had already broken up with Lavender, and then he got the book. Right, but this is in, like, the seventh book? Yeah, book? it's in the seventh book. Okay, so I'm, there's a whole, like, <laughs> there's a lot before that. <laughs> Six books before that. There's only one other girl. I don't remember the like 
all of his girlfriends, but I knew that he had other love interests. He had one other girl. Yeah, lavender, right? Yeah. So he didn't use it to charm. He lavender. didn't have her at that point. He like he didn't, he have, didn't the have the book. He didn't have the book. That's why they broke up. <laughs> no, he was saying if I would have had this book, I would have known how to break up with lavender and get with. And then he like gets awkwardly quiet, and we're all like, Hermione, oh my god. Anyways, this is not a Harry Potter podcast. Although we might tackle some of those movies because, like, Lord have mercy, they've got stuff to work on. But he's very textbook romantic, and she is bored. Super okay. bored. And it feels so she's, very... like, be more of a rick. Yeah, well, she just is, like, this isn't how real people live. Uh, like, you're not actually interacting with me. You're just, like, checking off a list of things that you should be doing to romance me. Which, like, is cute, but also... She feels kind of bad for the princess. How does she get over her, like, fervent anti-royalist sense like... I mean, I think... Sentiments. I think for the main part, she just focuses on... Um, I want there to be kind of, like, a sentimental moment. Like, one of the first ones where they kind of have, like, an actual real connection where they're talking about... Um, they're like going through the portrait halls or whatever, and they see the portrait of his mom and his mom has died. And so they, we find out later that the reason that this whole marriage is going on is because the queen, like his mother and the princess less duchess's mother were like best friends. And they both had babies at the same time. And they did that thing where you're like, Oh, like our babies will grow up and get married. They'll be so cute. And they kept joking about it. And then, like, the queen mother dies when, let's say, the prince is, like, 9 or 10. Where uh-huh. he's, like, old enough to remember her, but maybe not old enough to realize that her joke with her best friend about marrying their kids together is not necessarily, like, a serious life plan. So that's his motivation for marrying the duchess. Actually, I have a question um, about, uh, what's her name? Stacy's motivation. Mm-hmm. Um, so I know why the princess, uh, even just in the original, but also in yours, I know why the princess decides to swap because she's interested in being a normal person or whatever. Um, but why does Stacy swap? In the original, it seems just kind of like intrigue. Is it the same in yours, do you think? I think I think for the most part, this idea of... She's just sick of Kevin. No, I think it's that with that kind of anti-royalist kind of vibe that she has, she wants one, she wants a chance to see how bad they really are. And then two, she kind of likes the idea that this perfect princess who has everything given to her still isn't happy. Like that's very satisfying to her that not in a sense like, like um, she's delighted, but just, ah, I was right. Like even these people who have everything don't feel happy. Uh, I'll bet they'd be more happy if they had, like, useful lives. So, does that? Yeah. Okay. So, there's a sentimental moment where the prince and the baker have this conversation about how he's like, you know, I always want to live up to what my mom said. The people really loved her. She was someone who always, like, knew what to say. And so, we get this sense of the distance that's kind of grown up between the royals and the people is almost just more of a reflection of the fact that like the mom was the one who built relationships and after her death the prince and like his younger brother were just kind of like stranded i, I know i'm picking up really strong princess die vibes but like that's not where i was Did going his in my brain dad, 
like so the king. Uh-huh. Can we make him like a Howard Hughes type figure? Like he's crazy. He's like putting urine in jars and growing his nails long. I'm not sure how many Hallmark movies you've seen, but we don't really we don't really go either the cyanide poison route or the like obsessive like you, I eat my toenails route. Like neither of those things are really typical uh, Hallmark vibes. So okay. I, I think the print the um, maybe he's a CrossFit guy too. I think the I think the king should just be someone who's very like you do what you do, like you just just show up, you do the things. Just do the things. He's just like bored with the kingdom. It's like waiting to. Yeah, basically. Waiting to pass it on to his sons. Yeah, and I mean that's kind of one of the pressures too. Is that like he will abdicate once it seems like the prince is set up, and there's a clear sense like, okay, king wants out. He's got to step up. He's got to do the right thing. So with that, uh, they have some cute moments, definitely some sass. They go to go interview the orphanage because, of course, you got to have a photo op in which they're trying to save the reputation of the people. They go into the orphanage, and she decides to do – look, I like the whole presence thing, but I just think it's ridiculous that a royal orphanage would, like – be impoverished children who sometimes get socks in their stockings. Yeah, like there's no enterprising journalist who's like gone there just to like check out <laughs> what kind of gifts you guys get around the holidays. Yeah. Like no media person who's like, Hey, you know, what would be a really great photo op. Let's have the princess handing out piles of presents. Like, come on, you know, there's someone there who's like, this is a really cheap way to get goodwill around Christmas. So instead, what I kind of want to do is that, they do the presents, but it's very sterile. And like all the presents are, there's like a boy present and a girl present and everyone gets the same present. Like all the girls get variations of the same present. All the boys get variations of the same present. And it's just very like, technically, yes, this is a present, but it sucks. And she's like, you know what? No, this is not what Christmas is all about. I'm not having it. It would be funny if they all got those, like, um, those, like, what were they, like, Tamaguchi pets? Oh, my gosh. The ones you have to keep alive by clicking the buttons. Yeah, you have a, it was like a little keychain, and you have to, like, I, Yeah, Tamagotchis. Video games have come so far. <laughs> it's a whole new world. Oh. I don't even remember. I got one. I don't remember what I did. Clearly, sure you were dedicated. <laughs> um, but. We... Okay, so she decides, no, we need, like, the real Christmas spirit. We're going to have a Christmas party. And he's like, fine, like, whatever. We can have a Christmas party. And he's like, let me just call the Royal Kitchens. I set this up. Like, yeah, we can make this work. And she's like, excuse you, what? No. Like, a Christmas party means you make it yourself. You, give, you like, show love. It doesn't need to be perfect. You just need to, like, do it right. And so then I want to show like a couple of scenes in which she's kind of demonstrating her mastery, not only in like, obviously she's an amazing baker, but she's organized. She has a goal. She sets a budget and she's like, okay, we're going to take this much. She kind of negotiates with the orphanage lady who's really strict and is very much like we've always done it this way. And she kind of talks her way around it and just demonstrates that her own skill and personality is useful and then, of course, we have the traditional bingo flower fight scene where they make cookies together and they make a ton of cookies and the kids all decorate gingerbread houses and there are cute little romantic moments. Everyone's like, oh, they love each other. It's so cute. Right. And there pops Obviously. up. 
there pops up another poll on the gossip, the royal gossip guy. I don't know what we can call it. Like, I don't know. The... <laughs> I'm blanking on. I know. I, I, I got nothing. So anyway, we'll come up with a clever Instagram handle for him later. But it pops up and it says something like, um, what's cooking in the royal ovens or, or like in the royal kitchens? And it's like, it's love, but not a bun in the oven because that'd be weird. But it just like, so people start getting like invested. Okay. Okay. Then we have, but the reporter feels like something is up. Because the reporter was looking back through her tapes and realized that the person she was interviewing wasn't wearing the ring. Hmm. So she's like, oh, there's this other woman. There's got to be this other woman who's not the princess because there's no way the princess would be there not wearing a ring. Right. And so she starts trying to harass everybody, trying to like get secret pictures. She finds pictures of Kevin and the real princess having a snowball fight yeah. and takes those pictures and tries to take them to the prince as dirt of like princess has like a secret boyfriend. And if you don't give me exclusive interviews – I'll release it right before the wedding. It'll be this huge, like, horrible thing. So bring down the monarchy. Bring it down. So the prince, of course, is heartbroken because he's like, I would never do this. But he also is, um, like, he doesn't know who to trust. And he's, he's all, like, conflicted about it. And she, the baker girl, finds out part of it. And she's trying to sneak back to the competition. So they have a fight about it. Um... You know, and that's where we can put in the weird little like feminism thing, but whatever. They have a fight about it. They're going, she's trying to sneak back to swap back because the competition's about to start. But the journalist just like has all the exits covered. So she's trying to get around. She's trying to like figure out some way. We're going to have some hijinks here or like ridiculous things. The prince's wild younger brother like helps her sneak out in like a maid's outfit or something. Like whatever. Okay. All right. <clears throat> But they're too late. The competition has already started. So Kevin and the princess are trying to make this like masterpiece showstopper style wedding cake mm -hmm. as a demonstration of why they should make the royal wedding cake. Except the princess has never baked before in her life. So she is screwing like everything up. And Kevin's just like, what are you doing? Like, what is happening? Did you hit your head? Like what is going on? So he's trying to stay cool. She's trying to like help as much as she can. Everything's going wrong. And they finally hit like a commercial break. And the prince, the baker like sneaks back in. She's like in the wings. She's like, come on, come on, come on, come on. So um, the princess is like, oh, I have to, I have to go to the bathroom and like runs off stage. Everyone's like, oh my gosh, what are you talking about? And she, they like throw the apron, like swap, swap really quick, like put the big apron on or whatever, but they forget to swap the rings. Mm. So Baker comes back out and she's like, all right, we can do this. We can save this. And we have this big dramatic way in which she like chop style, takes all this crap and like turns it into something amazing. Right. I don't know what it is. I'm not a, I'm not like a genius, but there's something, right. She turns it into this, like a trifle. She turns it into a trifle. She takes all the thin layers of cake that haven't been rising, and she, like, makes this gorgeous, like, strawberry trifle. She's able to scoop out all the baking powder that was supposed to be sugar. <laughs> exactly. Okay, so... Um, so uh, she, like, 
snatches victory from the jaws of defeat, right? right? Except that the camera zooms in on her hand. And everyone is like, what is happening? Like, what? That's the royal ring. Like, what's going on? So then we have the prince who comes in, and then the, the gossip uh, journalist, the evil one, comes in, and she's all like, ha, I told you, like, there's... Like, this is a, a fake. Like, this is a fraud. You know, this is... Mm-hmm. The, the prince is having an illicit relationship, and the princess is having an illicit relationship. It's like, none of this is real. It's all on TV. And um, they panic, and they have to figure it out, and they have this cute little conversation. And the prince has figured it out slightly earlier. And he shows up, and he gives her a set of... Um, baking mitts because she's like always losing hers and it's like the first like really romantic personal gesture where you can see like oh he actually thought about her and who she likes and so they're like oh my gosh she's so cute and they all like switch partners and it's fine there's this big chaos though because all this is happening on live tv until the gossip the royal gossip dude i'm so upset that I can't think of a good name for him. The Monarch's Minstrel. Yeah, sure. The Monarch's Minstrel like pops up and is like, puts like a poll out saying like, cute or not? And everyone's like, oh my gosh, it's so adorable. And he like posts all of these different pictures of the prince and the baker girl throughout the last couple days. And you find out that the goth- the Monarch's Minstrel is actually the younger brother. And so he's been using all of his like, he's been spying on his brother basically and taking these cute pictures, but then he uses that to help spin popular opinion into where everyone's like, Oh, it's actually really sweet. And then they have a year long engagement because nobody is weird about it and they can get married later. Done. Also, she wins the baking competition and makes her own wedding cake because she's the best baker. Why would she hire someone else to make her wedding cake? And I want there to be a really cute scene at the end where um, Kevin comes in and is like, you have to go. Like, the wedding is in 30 minutes. And she's like, I just need to fix it. He's like, you are getting married in 30 minutes to the crown prince. You need to go. And On she's like, her wedding day, does she narrowly um, survive a pipe bomb explosion that's been set by her former... Anarchist group? Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's the sequel. So the next one is the princess switch, the bomb and the cake. Like the opposite of the classic traitor to one's class. Okay, you all, yeah, your sounds pretty good. Do you not like my idea about Rachel McAdams being in this movie? You know, me and Rachel McAdams have some feelings. Why? What's the problem with Rachel McAdams? The look that I'm giving you is not appropriate to podcast, but I feel like it's one Okay, so I don't like her because of her looks. I like her because she's a great actress. Mm-hmm. It's been in a lot of good movies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the redhead thing has nothing to do with it. Is she even, like, a real redhead? I don't know. Um, I think she's, she says, like, she feels her most herself when she has red hair. Okay, but in most of her movies, she doesn't have red hair. Whatever. Anyways, you can have Rachel McAdams do this, but it has to be Rachel McAdams, and both of them have to be Rachel McAdams. And I would rather it be Vanessa Hudgens because I love Vanessa Hudgens. I I mean, you could have both. They're they're both great. Okay, well, uh, 
Before we sign off, did want to ask you, Hannah, what your favorite Christmas movie is, or if you have multiples, what those are. Ooh, favorite Christmas movie. So it's not The Princess Witch. Sorry to spoil that for everyone. Um, if The Princess Switch was made the way that you wanted, would that be your favorite Christmas movie? Probably, honestly. Let's be real. Okay. Um, I do I do love what power about and control. Uh, no. No? <laughs> no. Just my version. Oh, okay. Well. So my favorite Christmas movie is this gorgeous little animated movie called The Snowman. Ah, uh, yes. Not the horror movie that it has the same name. Just to be clear. Just to be clear, um, it's got almost no words in it, and everyone in the movie is this like soft, like gently colored British family that just kind of like stomp around in their boots. And then the little boy makes a magical snowman, and they go on a trip up to the North Pole and meet Santa. And it has some of the most haunting music. And it always She's makes me cry. walking cross. in the air. <laughs> exactly. Morning in the mood, it's gone. Yeah, I showed that movie to my students the other day. It was it went over pretty well. It's um, very beautiful and not overstimulating. No, it's not overstimulating at all. Um, I don't think any of these people had ever seen a silent film. Um, yeah, Snowman's, Snowman is very good. It's only about 25 minutes, so it's good to put on. If you've got young kids, they'll like it, especially the um, the snowman commune they've got going. Yeah, with all of the different cultures. Is that what you're talking about? No, there's just a bunch of snowmen. They're all from different countries. They're all the snowmen of the world. They oh, come together. Cool. They're all work. How did you not notice this? I, mean, I was like going back and forth throughout the movie, helping kids. Okay. So, well, they, they're all from different cultures. They all have different costumes around the world. Okay. They're all there because Santa brings them all together. Uh, okay. Cool. Um, do you have any what others? What about yours? Um, I don't have any. Okay. I mean, I love Die Hard, but let's be honest. It's not like Christmas Eve. Yeah. Die Hard is, is pretty on the line. I think a lot of people like to say it. It is a very good movie. Um, it's good to watch around the holidays because it feels cold. Um, I mean, it probably, wa probably, wasn't, probably wasn't that cold because he was wearing like a, you know, a tank top for most of the movie. I think the adrenaline makes up for it. Like when you've killed a lot of people at that point, like you just don't feel the cold anymore. I'd have to go out and look at the outside costumes. It was in LA, so. Um, yeah, I've got three. Uh, they're all kind of for different reasons. First one would be uh, It's Wonderful Life. It's, mm. Yeah. Um, Hannah doesn't like this movie because she's, um, I don't know, doesn't care about art or, I don't know. It's okay. hard to say. I have well-articulated feelings about it, but go ahead. You have well-articulated feelings that don't make any sense. Um, I think it's kind of a perfect movie. Um, there's not a lot to say about it other than it's very well done, very well directed. The ending feels really earned. Um, Jimmy Stewart, you know, King. 
just absolute boss. All right. So what else do you got? I also, uh, one last thing about It's Wonderful Life. Um, I really enjoy the um, anti-capitalist uh, pro-solidarity themes. That's fair. I That's really, fair. I really love In Bruges. Um, also, In Bruges kind of is like Die Hard on the line. I think though, In Bruges, there's lots of murder in it. Um, I think In Bruges though really does um, fit Christmas better than like a Die Hard. Um, even though Christmas is kind of in the background, the, the themes of the movie are like, um, does our sin damn us forever? Uh, is there forgiveness for us? Um, can there be new life? Things like that. Um, I find I find it really beautiful. I enjoy watching it. I still haven't watched it this season yet. Um, I'm going to soon. And lastly, Home Alone. It makes me laugh every time. Even as a 29-year-old man. Home it's, Alone is so horrifying. It's so good. It's, yeah, I mean, it is. It's probably, it's definitely the most absurd of the movies we've talked about today, but um, even more than The Princess Switch, maybe. I think Home Alone definitely is more absurd than The Princess Switch. Yeah. Like, there's no way that boy set up all those traps without actually killing himself. Yeah. Joe Pesci, been in a lot of great movies. Usually is a tough mobster. Here he's a criminal too. Um, he's just but, not a competent one. Well, he's the more competent of the two, but it, his performance just like it's comic gold. Uh, you can just search Joe Pesci's face, Home Alone, and you'll find just a treasure trove of delight. Um, it's a great movie. I'm gonna love it forever. I can't wait to show Taman. All right. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm so excited. It's terrifying. Can we can we just put a like a moratorium on that until he's like eight? Yeah, eight's probably good enough. Oh, uh, one last thing about Home Alone. When I was uh, probably about eight, um, we were traveling at one point, I think to Louisiana, and we were about to leave my grandmother's house, and I decided to booby trap my grandmother's <laughs> home too. Uh, but it was it was stuff like. I got like a pack of batteries and I tied string to the ends and like connected it. And the theory was that it was going to electrocute and intruder, but. Nobody died in the process. Well, nobody tried to come in. They were too scared. Of course. I would also be terrified. All right. Anything else, Hannah? I am so excited, guys. We're about to watch The Christmas Spirit in which a hard-bitten lawyer who works through Christmas has to negotiate with a bootlegger ghost. Hot you lady. heard that right. Bootlegger ghost. Yeah. Hot lady falls in love with hot ghost. Hey, it's lungs are gonna hot. be hot. Love it. All right. Let's do this. Bye.